0: Today is August 19th, 2020, and this is Sam Walking in the World, episode 12. Um, As usual, I've got a lot to say. Um, The the larger thing I wanted to talk about today is systems. Systems. We have so many systems in our lives. Um, But I'll talk more. I'll get into more detail uh, after I get through some other things. Um, A whole bunch of stuff came to my mind. I have some language stuff I want to talk about as I continue to watch the slow deterioration of it, if that matters. And um, I got some lifey things, some uh, some happiness hints that I've been following. Um, one is being wrong, being wrong. And uh, another one is uh, the difference between people who need to be reminded of things and people who remember without needing to be reminded. I've had some recent experience with that and uh, like I said of course I always have some super stuff but first let me give you a quick update my colonoscopy went very well because I know you're interested but the funny thing is the colonoscopy is the one part of the whole thing that I don't remember like the actual procedure is not part of this it was like I remember I remember the whole day before drinking that diarrhea producing juice which, by the way, is an incredible cleanser. I mean, it must have cleaned me out because it cleaned the entire toilet basin. Like, better than Clorox. It almost looks like soap in the bathroom. But anyway, I don't want to gross you out. But I remember, you know, going to the bathroom a thousand times. I remember, um, you know, waking up super, super early because I had to be up there at 6. The procedure was at 8. Uh, I remember all the stuff before the the chain of questions that they ask you forty times. Um, I feel like it's almost like one of those <clears throat> one of those job interview questionnaires where you get the same question every six questions to check to see if either you're stupid or lying. But I must have passed the test um, because I remember everything up to the anesthesia. And then I remember kind of looking at the ceiling a little bit. And I was kind of getting ready to say something. And then I remember waking up. And then the nurse telling me, you're in the you know, recovery area. I don't know, I remember being moved. Um, I didn't even realize the recovery area was a different area than the place I was in when I first got knocked out. But, um, of course, I was relieved. To hear from the doctor that everything was fine. You know, it's like the best news. No polyps, no lesions, no, man, I think he said masses, which I would guess would be something like cancer to worry about or whatever. But nothing, literally nothing. And and uh, I don't have to go back. I don't have to wait on any news. Uh, pretty wonderful feeling, I got to say. Um, but I, I, w- I was ready to deal with whatever it was going to be, just like dealing with a colonoscopy was whatever it was going to be. And um, So anyway, that's that. Okay, getting to stupid stuff. <clears throat> um, it's funny, I was talking to somebody this morning, and uh, and they know that I'm doing this podcast, and they're kind of a friend. And um, they, they mentioned to me that they hadn't gotten around to it yet. But the way they said it was, like, I haven't visited your website. And it got me thinking, like, when I tell people that it's a podcast, and I had never done podcasts or heard about podcasts or anything like that before. I mean, I I have a Facebook, like I said, and I have a Twitter, which I never check. I, I tend to turn the notifications off on everything. I, like, immediately go to the app when I have it, open it up, notifications off. Um... So I try I try to govern the incoming amount of things that that the web you know each each app thinks I need to know. I don't need to know that. I'll go find out if I need to know. But anyway, it got me thinking. Like he said, website, and I was like, going to correct him. And then I I just mentioned podcast, but I didn't you know. But it's like you got you got blogs, you got posts, you got pages, you got channels. You got tweets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. Ah! But the funny thing is, all roads lead to Rome. You know, it's kind of like Mexican food. I heard a a comedian say, it's really the same five ingredients. They just change the shape of it. You got your gorditas. You got your burritos. You got your enchiladas. You got your tacos. It's like same five ingredients and I think the same is true for social media you've got written words sounds and videos but it's called like 75 different things I can't I can't even believe that that there are more than one company there is more than one company like that Twitter's so giant billions of dollars Facebook's so giant billions of dollars Instagram like they all literally do the same thing. I don't know if it's just fads that people jump on the next thing because they want to say that they're on the next thing. Um, I don't know, but it's just funny. I don't, I don't always know what to tell people. I just say the name of it, Sam Walking in the World. Type it into something, and eventually you'll find it. Okay, that's that. Other stupid things. What kind of languagey things? And this is something I've noticed. People tend to think that the length of a word indicates its level of sophistication. Oh, look at your big words. Using your, your multi-syllable words. And it's it's a misnomer. You know, I, I do think it's important to use the right word. I think being articulate means the ability to find the right word that conveys the meaning. But to, to purposely use big words. And when someone does, you can tell it just stands out it's 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 obtrusive and it ends up getting in the way of communication you know what i mean like yeah, people some people end up sounding like they have literally have a thesaurus open and that is just not true when it comes to how well spoken somebody is but in the in the interest of lengthening words i think people are starting to just I don't know how it catches on but like I'll give you a couple examples resiliency I hear that word a lot he had great showed great resiliency after the accident his <clears throat> his recovery you know showed great resiliency the word is resilience there is, really is no difference between the word resilience and the word resiliency Except resiliency must be a better word because it's longer. Yeah, I don't know when we started measuring intelligence in centimeters, but it's happening a lot. Another one is relevancy, relevance. You know, it had that that uh, evidence had great relevance to the case. did have great relevancy because the thing is, what's the what's the uh, limiting principle? If you can just keep adding to endings of words, how do you know when to stop? Like uh conversate. <clears throat> we I wanna I wanna conversate with you. We're conversating. No, you're conversing, conversation, converse, orientate. I'm just trying to get orientated to my new surroundings, I'm trying to get oriented. Orientation, I think, has been said so many times that people just miss shorten it to orientate, probably because it's longer than orient. Um, I don't know. I kind of sound way too angry about words right now, so I'm going to try and calm down a little bit. Um, but I just uh, I just don't understand the intelligency of doing that. Um, another one that gets me is when people say, quite frankly... Quite frankly, they're probably going to say what they were already going to say anyway in the way they were already going to say it. But for some reason, it's supposed to prepare me for their abruptness. You know, I don't even know where it came from. Is there someone named Frank? Frank just tells the blunt truth all the time. I don't know. Uh, another Another one is to be perfectly honest. Well, to be perfectly honest. Oh yes, please leave out all the usual lies. I would appreciate that. Oh all right anyway, moving on. I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole. All right, happiness sense. Um, I was thinking here's something that happened to me and then I'll get to why um, it led me to feel like talking about this. I went to uh, have my car fixed at the garage usually go to the same garage who will remain nameless it's a great garage and it's a guy that you go to regularly like i guess in any circumstance when you start going to somebody regularly you develop a relationship they know they're going to continue to get business maybe more business cuz you share you know their existence with other people um and so you know you tend to, you tend to feel like you're not going to get taken um, and so I, I've done that with my garage. And, and, you know, things happen. People make mistakes. But what happened is I brought my car in because it needed a crankshaft sensor replaced. And uh, I kept on getting it as a message on my hum. It's like this thing I have through my phone. It tells me, like, what's going wrong with the car. But I've since removed it and eliminated it as a service because I just use it so little. But anyway, my car was hiccuping, and it was because it was getting the wrong messages. The crankshaft was getting wrong messages, so it wasn't sure what gear to go in or how much power to put out or whatever. So I brought it in, and I also needed an inspection. My car um, is up in August for inspection, and I recommend always getting your car inspected in the summer. I do this because, especially tires, usually in the winter, people are a lot more attentive to your tire treads. And, uh, and the other thing is make sure that you get your car inspected. I'm not t- telling you what to do here, but I make sure I get my car inspected before it's due. Because if you go in with an overdue inspection, they got you. They can tell you anything isn't right, and legally they can't let you off their lot without reporting it. Because that's one of their duties, one of the solemn duties that you learned in mechanic school, I guess. But anyway... I asked for it to be inspected because I was going to kill two birds with one stone. And they had it all day. I dropped it off in the morning on purpose so they could take their time and get everything done. And I remember mentioning that I wanted it inspected to the mechanic, the owner himself, when I first brought it in to explain the other problem. And when I dropped it off, I remember explaining explicitly that I needed an inspection to the secretary. And then I went on my way. <clears throat> and then, a Later that afternoon, I got a call. Everything was all set. And I thought about reminding them at that moment that I needed it inspected too, but I had already said it twice. And I thought, you know what? Uh, in my mind, I was like, let's see. I wasn't even like they did it. I was like, let's see what happens. So I went back to pick it up. Sure enough, they forgot to do the inspection. And when I went in, the woman said, okay she's making up the bill and she gives it to me and tells me what they fixed and i said oh and and the inspection was done too right she said um i said no no she's like oh oh you needed it inspected and i thought man i uh thought i conveyed that to you um but you know it's kind of rude to say to a person, "I told you I wanted that, and you forgot it." Not even forgot it. She typed it too when I dropped it off. She's like, "So what are we doing today?" And then, as I was saying, also inspected. It's due in August. That's why I want to get it done now. She typed it in. I don't know what she was typing. I mean, but ended up not getting done. And it got me thinking about people who need to be reminded of things. And people who do what they said they would do or what they were told or asked to do without being reminded. And I know I hate to say there are two kinds of people because there really is no such thing as two kinds of people. But but some people do remember things when they're told them once. When you get an affirmation. Yes, okay. They And it gets done. And then there are other people who it'll not get done. And here's, what, here's the dynamic that kind of occurs. When somebody drops the ball, and, and they do, you know, people drop the ball. I forget things. But when you do it regularly, what happens is, I think, I think in all fairness, I think a person who forgets things regularly, that inconvenience other people, I think they forfeit the luxury of not being over-reminded. Because people don't like to feel over reminded because they kind of must send them the message that that they're thought of as not responsible enough to do it, having been told it just once. And and, you know, I, it happens all the time. Like, God, you don't got to tell me that again. I'm going to do it. And I, parents do it all the time with kids like, yeah, but last time you said that you didn't do it. Oh, my God. And so I think you forfeit the right. Of not being over reminded. And the thing is. I think people that are forgetters. Regular forgetters. Are also people who are regularly over reminded. So they have that kind of. Animus toward the reminder. And I think deep down. If they have a deep down. They probably know that they're not reliable. And they. I think it ends up being their own. Its own punishment. Because everybody's reminding them a million times. To do stuff. And, and I think they deserve it. I try consciously, therefore, to lock things in my mind in some way so that I don't forget to do something that I was told once. I want to be the kind of person that can be told once because people notice it. People notice it. It's almost like they're used to most people forgetting because when, when something is done, when it was told one time, it's kind of like an amazing thing. It's almost like a superpower. Wow, you didn't need to be reminded that you did this. You must really care about me. And it's true, I guess. If you care about the other person, that's what you do. You know, Things like caring are measured in action. It is an action word. Um, and speaking of remembering things, here is something that works, I think, for everyone. Everyone that I've shared it with usually comes back and says, wow, that worked. And I was told it by my mom. And uh, I remind my mom all the time how well it works. And this is it. It seems like it's simple and kind of weird and arbitrary, but it, it work. if you just try it, it works. Picture a chain-link fence. Like out in the middle of a grassy field. Picture a chain-link fence. And then it works probably up to four or five things after that. I don't know. It's a little busy. But for, for things... One, two, three, four, five things. Imagine a chain link fence in the middle of a grassy field. And then imagine whatever it is that you want to remember hanging from it. Right? Like, uh, I got to get more toilet paper. I'm going to picture a piece of, a roll of toilet paper stuck on the top of the fence. Kind of rolling down it. And I got to remember to grab my credit card back as I left it at my mom's house, I'm going to imagine the credit card punctured at the top of the fence and it's kind of hanging down the fence. You just leave it right there with those two things. There's no doubt in my mind, if you picture them right now, that at the end of this podcast, you will remember what the two things are. A roll of toilet paper and a credit card. And it works. It works. You don't have to write stuff down Um, And once you get used to it, I don't know why the visualization works. I think visualization works better than words. Um, You might remember you wrote a note, but you won't remember what's on it. But I bet you remember the fence. This one goes up to mom. Thank you, mom. Uh, Okay. And then on this subject, I also want to talk about something that I've come to call the third person escape hatch. Have you ever guaranteed somebody something? Like you really need something. And you're like, please, and they're like, oh, I don't know, man. I, 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 this can't get ruined. Like, like, can I borrow your guitar? Like, oh man, it's my favorite guitar, and, and it's so important to me. Then they're like, no, I just need. I swear, I just need it for one afternoon. I will make sure nothing happens to it. And you're like, oh, you sure you're gonna make sure nothing happens to it? Yes. All right, I will choose to trust you. Give him the guitar, and then. Two days later, you're asking for your guitar again, and they go, oh, yeah. Oh, man, I'm so sorry, but it got crushed. What do you mean it got crushed? Yeah, I had some people over, and and one of the guys, like, you know, was into guitars, and we were drinking, and, and he picked it up, and, like, he kind of tripped, and he fell on it and crushed it. Man, how could you do that to me? I told You told me that it was He's like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it, man. I didn't know the guy was going to pick it up and fucking fall on it. Yeah, but you were the one that said you were going to make sure nothing happened to it. What do you want from me, man? I didn't do it. That is the third-person escape hatch. Guarantee somebody something, and then you're not particularly careful about insuring it, and then something goes wrong and you're able to say that it wasn't your fault so the person that has no right to be mad at you you didn't do it and I think the third person escape hatch appeals to people who aren't mindful of preventing something from happening right in this scenario the person's job is not to is not to make sure they don't do something bad to it Their job is to make sure nothing bad happens to it. Which means you kind of have to be, at least in the back of your mind, continuously aware of the thing. And, And accidents happen like that. But when a person does it and it happens a lot, then just like with the reminding, they have the right... I mean, they don't have the right to expect people to take their guarantee as anything anymore. But they will. They'll be like... Dude, I guarantee it. Like, the last time, sorry, man. You didn't guarantee it, so I, I can't let you borrow my new guitar. Aw, oh, man. Like, and the thing is, I, I think people are, in in fact, one way or the other. And I don't know, like I was talking about last episode, what the change agent is that causes the mindset to click so that it's no longer like that. But that is the third-person escape hatch. I try never to use it. I almost try to err on the side of, of taking the blame myself, which leads me to the next thing I want to talk about. Being wrong. One of the things that has made me happier in recent years is being wrong. I know it sounds weird. I don't mean being wrong on purpose. I mean being wrong. Like... As one of my habits now, I try to keep my eye open for opportunities to be wrong. Like I said, again, not on purpose. And it may not happen. But I try to keep my eyes open for it. Here's why I think it helps me and I think it helps a person to be wrong fairly regularly. Say, for example, uh, I do, if I, have, if I have my eyes open, I, I, I recognize something that I did that was wrong. Or I'm in a conversation that kind of turns into a discussion, becomes an argument, sort of a civil one. And and then I discover that I'm wrong. I like to take the opportunity to be wrong when it presents itself. I mean, not all the time, but, but here's why. One, because I was wrong. Right? For this, you know... For the simple fact that I was wrong. It's good to be wrong. But also, it helps me personally. It helps me stay comfortable with the fact that I'm not perfect. I know we all know we're not perfect. But we all still have this instinct to appear perfect. And when when we feel like a chink is placed in our armor. Um, it, like, like dominoes are all going to fall. And, and we can't even let that first wrong happen. Because then, who knows what could happen? You have mice running around. But um, it lets me know that I'm. it's okay to be wrong. I don't lose any of my worth. In fact, I gain worth by being wrong in the sense that I'm able to admit it. And it, it also establishes to the people around me that I'm in regular contact with throughout my life that in, in case we have future agreements... I'm I'm it's it's in the context of me not being the guy who's always got to be right. Oh yeah, I forgot, you're never wrong. I don't want to be the guy that's never wrong. And we're all wrong sometimes. So in the future if I am passionate about something and I am convinced that I'm right about something and I decide to engage in a heated discussion about it, At least I'll know that I'm not doing it because I always do it, and I always have to be right. Or I'm just doing it because I care about winning the argument. Whether or not I'm being honest or not, if I can convince you somehow and twist things and manipulate a little bit, I can win the argument, even though I'm being completely dishonest. I don't want to be that way. We'll leave that to the lawyers. And I don't mean that in a bad way. You might someday need someone to be that conniving for you in the courtroom. But the main reason why I do it is because it keeps me out of the mental torture chamber of the, the, the who the hell are they? Who the heck? Are, who the heck are they to say that I'm this or that? What do they? What, what? What do they know? And and you don't realize it, but you do end up in that mindset when someone thinks you're wrong, and you feel that, you know, the hair on your neck bristle. You got to be right. I'll even find myself. Like, to myself, in my own head, in this torture chamber, I'll find myself, like, cutting the person down. I things completely unrelated to the argument. I'll be like, what does he know? What does he know? He's ugly. Broke. Unemployed. Cheats on his girlfriend. Who is he to tell me? Like, that has anything to do with it. And all I really know is it's probably me deep down telling me that I was wrong. And so... Might as well just admit it. You know, I'll it's like I'm trying to change the subject on myself. Throw my, my honest self off the scent. And it doesn't work. That stuff always bubbles back to the surface in other ways. So, all right, I think I might have spoken too much about that. But being wrong sometimes is important to do. And I will take a quick break before I get to my larger things, which will be systems. The establishment of systems, the following of systems. For better or worse. Better and worse, actually. So, I will be back right after these messages. Welcome back to Sam Walking in the World, episode 12. That message was brought to you by a truck going on an overpass somewhere in the distance. Now, systems. Okay, we have systems for everything. And it's good. But it's also bad. So let me kind of explain. When people first encounter a thing, right? A problem, predicament of some kind, they use like the most the most specified, individualized decision making to solve it. Right? They weigh all the relevant variables <clears throat> and they use their best judgment to make a choice. Then more and more choices are made. And as the results of those choices are collected into a, like what people call experiential evidence, I'm not sure if that's really a word, though, but people then eventually invent a system, like a prescribed method, a set of rules you can follow, so that you don't have to muddle through all that initial decision-making yourself. You have this, you know, what's the point of reinventing the wheel? Although, oddly, the, real, the wheel has been reinvented many times. Um, I I bet the addition of air inside a tire really changed the wheel. But anyway, so we have all kinds of systems. For rules on how to dress, we have fashion. For rules on what to eat, we have nutrition. Uh, For rules on what to believe, we have religion. We have types and isms and millions of rules of thumb and for all things there's a proper etiquette i mean even 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 going into someone's house or going to the store or anything using a bathroom i don't know why i'm on the bathroom so much but um so i'm not complaining i'm merely not complaining systems make life a lot easier right you only have to imagine downtown traffic without them to know how necessary they are prudent. But I guess my point is this. It's never a good idea to completely embody any system. Completely. Whether it's one of thought, belief or action. I think life involves too much variation. Too much possibility that it it could ever be reconciled perfectly with any structure. Especially a man-made structure. Right? it's estimation very good estimation for good systems but it's estimation at best something is always filtered out right like of when you have a program there's always something about the program that's filtered out in order to make it applicable to everything and so that, i guess that's probably why they're always you know innovating systems changing them and tweaking them um, but something is always filtered out, and, and it can lead to terrible, terrible tragedy. If anyone decides we're just going to wholly embody the system for the sake of the system, you get things like Nazism, or you get holy wars. And it, it, it's, just, it, it, it's important, I think, for us to never lose the thing that caused the system to be invented in the first place that kind of case-by-case logic that you use but it's it's so easy to rush to have a system my father is a system maniac and and in, in by and large they all work but of course he has to maintain them all which he does a very good job of i'm sure he has a system for maintaining his systems but anyway, it, it, it it's not always right. That's what it, it leads to things like when you're in a store and a particular thing happens, and you go to the person and be like, "Can you make an exception on this?" And the person says, "I'm sorry, that's just our policy." I'm like, "Yeah, but your policy is not right. It doesn't apply to this situation. I know it's unique, but sorry, that's our policy. It's annoying. I mean, even individuality is not." a system worth wholly adopting because sometimes it it makes more sense to conform to be uniform to wear uniforms if you're on a team otherwise you know how you're you know who you're going to pass the puck to but children are born with this mechanism it urges them to make sense out of each thing right they have like a natural curiosity i think we lose sometimes I think it's an important reminder. I was reminded of it. It's important to always kind of keep that in your mental Rolodex so that you can go back to it and say, I'm gonna approach this thing brand new, you know, from a new perspective. Even though I've done it this way all this time and it's generally worked for me, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a new look at it. And protective parents, which I completely understand, have this. You know, they're, they're, rightfully, they are reluctant, I think, sometimes to let children discover things on their own. I mean, it it's dangerous. It's still dangerous for adults when you discover things. So to alleviate the danger, children are provided rules. Right? Don't go in the street. Eat your vegetables. Don't take things that don't belong to you. And then this invariably happens. Instead of taking the time and effort and energy, which is a ton of time and effort and energy, so I understand why, but parents almost always end up at one time or another settling on the because I told you so. Because I said so. That's why you're going to do it. And then children grow up thinking it's wrong to steal because they might get caught. Every time an adult glosses over the why of things for the sake of convenience or saving time, I think in a small way it stifles the growth that comes with the discovery of each piece. And eventually eventually, people just know to adopt a system because that, that system ends up working, like driving on the right side of the road. You wouldn't mess with that. It works. But it's... it's it's kind of it can be tragic because in order to think critically you have to be able to grow up able to distinguish what is right from what is according to the rules or else they're going to end up wasting hours sitting at red lights when no one's around in the middle of nowhere and it's funny that the word discrimination has taken on this taken on this evil connotation because it almost always, given our, our racial history, it always ends up being seen through the prism of race or, or gender or ethnicity or whatever. Discrimination. You know, it's wrong to discriminate. It's wrong to discriminate in those ways, but it's not wrong to discriminate. Discrimination is actually important. The ability to distinguish one thing from another on the basis of reason is, I think, in fact, the most fundamental building block of logic, critical thinking, that most necessary of skills, which belies the invention of any system, any system worth keeping. And I, uh, I've i tried to approach the systems in my life from a new perspective. And I try to recognize, all right, this is, this is not serving me well at this moment, but... 99 times out of 100, this will serve me well. And systems are required for people to to adhere to a social contract. Everyone doesn't get what they want all the time, so everything can't be individualized. You know, I'm in a hurry, so I'm going to run the red light. Well, then, if I'm the other person and someone's running a red light on me, then I'm, you know, I crashed my car, I don't accept their excuse. They did not follow the rules. So, I don't know, that felt like a lot of complaining, but what I try to do now, like, for example, I don't know my own parents' cell phone numbers. I should. Back in the day, before you could say phone numbers and phones, I knew everyone's phone number. It was a thing. If you're an older person like me, you remember it. Oh, yeah, what's so-and-so's phone number? Oh, it's uh, 442-2169. Or you'd be like, oh, no, wait a minute. Hold on. That's my other buddy's phone number. Oh, it's 415 four one five two one two six. I don't have a clue. Anyone's phone number. And I don't know if it's good or bad. I mean, they're in there, so I can look them up. But how many times you have heard people like, oh, I broke my phone? And you just end up completely off the grid, out of contact with people, at least by phone, until your phone gets repaired. And it's because we decided to surrender memorizing people's phones, phone numbers. I, I used to attach it almost with the person. I would, Somehow hearing that phone number, I would immediately picture that person. And it doesn't happen anymore. So, I don't know. Anyway, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'm going to try to remember a couple people's phone numbers. Like, I'm going to ask my parents. Actually, I don't have to ask them. It's in my phone. But I'm going to check my phone. I'm going to memorize both of my parents' phone numbers. Now I have my wife's phone number memorized, but I think it's only because she's my like uh you know next of kin. Like I had to give it yesterday when I was at the hospital. Like who who's up who's picking you up? Well my wife. Uh her phone number. And I I know it only because I'm asked that question by people who need to know my next of kin, which is kind of dark. But anyway, I believe I've come to the end of what I have to say. Um As always, thank you for listening, and I hope to see you soon. Hopefully tomorrow, this has been Sam Walking in the World, Episode 12.